0: We need to think about, uh, you know, designing for everyone. I, I I tell people all the time, like some of the best products ever invented and things that I use to this day are a Bluetooth headset. Like I couldn't live without it, but it wasn't designed for somebody with a disability. A bidet toilet seat, again, wasn't designed for somebody with a disability, but it makes everyone's life easier. And And these products are so great because they weren't necessarily, oh, I'm going to design this Bluetooth headset. And I'm going to make sure somebody with no hands that, that can't hold his phone as well as other people can use it. No, they designed it because they thought about everyone.
1: Welcome to the What is UX podcast, the show where we interview design leaders about their journey and experience so that you may learn from them. I'm your host, Peck Pompet. And on this episode, we have... An old friend who I haven't spoken to in probably almost a decade, Ryan Hudson-Peralta. And he's a motivational speaker, father, husband, amazing, amazing designer who I discovered through a friend and uh, saw some am- amazing work uh, on Dribble many, many years ago. And um, he's here with us today. So welcome to the show, Ryan.
0: Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. First of all, I have to say, you know, your, your work for for anyone, you know, who can go to Dribbble, check out and look for Ryan Hudson Peralta. Your work is just so amazing, especially uh, during, you know, my, my, my recollection of your design work is a little dated because that's how long I've known you. But during the skeuomorphism days of icon design, I felt like your work was so representative of, of that era and, and the work was uh, really, really good. And I, I look to you as a, such an amazing designer. So yeah, <laughs> I just want to yeah, keep, thanks. let you know that. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and for, for the audience who are listening, what's even more amazing, that's not even the most amazing part about it, that he's an amazing designer is that Ryan is Uh, a congenital amputee, right? That's, you you're born without arms and legs. So I, you know, I don't even know how you design. (laughs) So tell us, uh, (laughs) tell us a little bit about how you can produce this, this amazing work without, without any hands.
0: Yeah. People are always uh, curious to like, oh, I got to find out what kind of equipment you use, like what special mouse, what special keyboard. And then when my when I answer, I, I feel like I'm letting them down because it's, it's just a regular mouse, Apple mouse and a regular Apple keyboard. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I've never had any special equipment at all. I mean, I'll use uh text to type or voice to type once in a while, you know, if I'm lazy and I don't want to type, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I I, I use the regular keyboard
1: and mouse. Gotcha. Oh, wow. That, that makes it even more amazing. Cause uh, I don't know if I were to try to not use my hands and just have the use of only kind of, you know, elbows and try to accomplish this. I don't, I don't even know how far I'd get before I'd uh, give up in frustration. So kudos, (laughs) kudos to you. Yeah. Thank you. Lots, lots,
0: lots and lots of years of practice, Yeah. but everybody, you know, my, my parents, they bought me a a Mac when I was, I think I was in middle school. And, you know, they said like day one, I was just a pro at, I mean, I, I kind of remember like picking it up pretty fast, but yeah, it was, you know, I, I kind of just came natural to me. Yeah.
1: And uh, so you you're just not not just any designer, so I'll uh, have to tell the audience and humble brag to a bit about you and uh, so you worked with, at some amazing companies including Ford, you're an inter- intranet designer at Ford, you worked at uh, U- the US Army as a web and UI designer. I'd love to talk, you know, after this about some of the work there and then Quicken Loans and finally which Quicken Loans became uh, Rocket Mortgage, where you're staff product designer there. And then you also had your own agency for a while, right? Is that correct?
0: Yeah. When my, uh, when my well, actually all pretty much after high school, starting in high school and then up until my son was born, I did a lot of, I did, a, I had my own freelance agency and I did, I mean, I worked on so many projects like me and you met during that time. And, you know, now my son's uh, 20 years old and, and he's all grown up. My kids are both, both grown, but uh, yeah, you know, my kids were at home and, and I was taking calls and doing sales and all that. And I was like, man, yeah, I really want to, you know, spend more time with them and not be on the, on call at all times. So I, I, I found a job. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us, uh, you know, take us back a little bit. How did you, so you got a Mac very early in your age and I'm assuming that's how you got into design and started playing with Photoshop or how, yeah. How did you get interested in this field?
0: Yeah. So I met, I met this guy at a comic book store and he was showing off this poster he made for the store. And I was just like, I was like, how did you do this? Cause I knew it wasn't like hand drawn. It was like printed. And uh, he told me that he uses this program called Photoshop. And you know, this was a long time ago. I'm, I'm 42 years old now. <laughs> and I looked into it and we, we got a computer and I was just fell in love, man. I was just, it was, I, I always drew, I drew with a pencil between my chin and my shoulder. And I would draw for hours and hours and hours. I would have like a sore on my face. And then I was like, wow, now I can draw digitally, not, you know, not have not hurt myself and do, you know, even more creative things. And, you know, when I would draw and I would have to erase something, it was such a pain in the butt. And that, you know, then jumping on the computer and be able to hit the edit undo button. It was just it changed my life. (laughs)
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think digital, you know, even with some of the newer stuff, you know, just the idea of having layers and working on different stuff and being able to move layers. So transformational. Yeah. And which Photoshop version did you start with? I don't even
0: remember. I'm not, I don't even think I, I don't know. Probably two. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Version
1: two. It's my guess. Yeah. I, yeah, I recall, like, I think the first version I used was for shop four. Yeah. And drop shadows and stuff were very manual back then.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, we had to like create a, la- you know, another layer and then just do some like airbrushing behind it to give it to drop shadow. Yep.
1: Yep. I remember yep. that. The good old days. So tell us about the, some of the work at where you work now, what your position is and, yeah, you know, if, if the work is something that people can see or find, you know, is like consumer facing product or-
0: yeah actually i just um so i was working for rocket homes for a while and i, I designed their app it's a real estate app i um, super proud of that how that turned out we have some really cool accessibility features in the app you know where you do voice control and the app will tell you like you know you know there's there's so many apps that like apple put this amazing feature on their phone that'll read buttons and everything to you know visually impaired people and also it gives me the opportunity if my phone's across the room where I can't reach it I can say I can name the button and it'll tap it and so nobody else was doing this not not in the real estate space anyways and so I made it a point to like you know there's the importance of putting that in the app and yeah Rocket Homes is a great app super like I said I'm super proud of that and it's, it's a real estate app, you know, you can also check your credit, it helps you gives you reminders how to help build your credit up. And then I transitioned back over to uh, Rocket Mortgage. I'm working on, you know, mainly the design system and, and trying to do that and, and create like a, a new More modern look, I like to I like to call it. But my first job outside of freelance was working for the US Army. And that's something I'm extremely proud of. You know, I had family members that were in the military and I was never able to join the military because of my disability, but that I had an impact. I was able to impact so many people by working for the US Army. I I designed a interface for weapons and, and like tanks and all that, so that soldiers didn't have to take off their gloves to do inventory when they were, you know, Afghanistan or Iraq. And so that was, that was something I was extremely proud of doing as well.
1: Oh, that's, that's amazing. Oh, I didn't realize what, what you worked on when, when you know, I, I knew you were working for for the U.S. military designing stuff. I, I just figured the, the web and websites and stuff like that. So it's, thank you for sharing that. Of course. The, you know, I think a good segue would be something I hadn't thought about, but we should talk about it is, you know, people don't think about, you know if folks like me i am just as guilty and that i you know when i think about product design accessibility is probably low on the list right we think about removing friction for most you know for a, a good chunk of the population but i would say accessibility oftentimes gets neglected so maybe a, a good topic we can talk about is how do people how should people think about accessibility How how do people how do designers in a small organization? How should they think about accessibility? How do they solve? How should they begin?
0: I think the the number one thing that I talk to designers about is stop designing for yourself. Like if you think about it, like when you design something, you design something because you like it most of the time, right? Like you know, just out of the box, you're gonna you're gonna design something because you like it. We like how it looks, and you know, we need to think about uh, you know designing for everyone. I, I I tell people all the time, like some of the best products ever invented and things that I use to this day are a Bluetooth headset like I couldn't live without it but it wasn't designed for somebody with a disability a bidet toilet seat again wasn't designed for somebody with a disability but it makes everyone's life easier and and these products are so great because they weren't necessarily oh I'm going to design this Bluetooth headset and I'm going to make sure somebody with no hands that, that can't hold his phone as well as other people can use it no they designed it because they thought about everyone and I think when you start thinking about designing for everyone, that's when, you know, the word accessibility kind of it doesn't have to be there. It's, it's, as long as it's, if it's accessible for everyone, then it's not necessarily designing for accessibility. It's designing for everyone's ease of
1: use. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Can you be a little more concrete and dig, dig double click into that, right? How, how, does, how do you start designing for everyone?
0: Well, okay. So here's a good example. They, you know, Apple has rules about button, button spacing and button. And now tell me you haven't been on the, on the Facebook app and like tried to tap the like button, but you missed like multiple times. Like I use the end of my arm, use your finger. I've seen people try to tap it, tap it and miss apples. Yeah. Their voice, their voicemail app, there's buttons in there that people will try to tap and they they can't tap it. So they're not even actually using the same rules. So, but those rules are in place for not just me using the end of my arm. The rules are in place for you know everybody to be able to easily tap. Yeah, and like I said, if those rules were those rules were not put in place for people, you know, for accessibility, they're put in place to make things easier for everyone. Uh, um, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it, you know, when when I mentor and, and coach designer or give give design reviews of, of new designers, whether it's boot camp or whatnot. Right. When they start breaking human interface guide, like Apple's interface guidelines or material design, like a, an easy one, maybe back in the day was like the nav had, you know, up to five elements, right. You know, mm-hmm. On the iPhone. And when people start shoving six or seven, it's like, you can't do that for a reason. Cause your, your thumbs are gonna like, it's just too small. For example, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's there for a reason. And I tell them, go, go read the human interface guidelines, and don't talk to me until you you kind of read that and follow. You know, the back button on the top is like way too small, right? And then look, like, like the touch area is like you know, just the icon versus like you know the, the whole area. Yeah, absolutely. Being familiar with that and just uh, applying, you know, adhering to that. Yeah. Yeah. And Apple does,
0: uh, in my opinion, Apple's always done the best job uh, when it comes to accessibility. Like when I first started using, there was already like software built in for switch control. I don't use switch controls, but I, you know, I've worked with other people with disabilities that needed switch controls. You know, they would hit a button and it would move to the next icon. They would hit it again and it would tap it. And like, you know, that was that was something that Apple was always thinking about. And now they have, you know voice control on a phone. And, you know, yes, it's for people with, you know, like myself who has a disability to make my life easier, but it can be used for everyone. You know, like when I was in the hospital, it wasn't because I had a disability that I was using voice control. It was because I could not reach my phone. and I was like literally telling it what to do while, you know, across the room. And it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was incredible to be able to do that. And, you know, like think about the, the, the font size scaling that that wasn't, you know, yes, we we get older and our, our eyesight starts to go, but it was not necessarily for visually impaired. It's for people that have, you know, need to see it bigger because they can't see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, I'm really like, like yourself. I mean, it's starting to be in my forties and I'm starting to really appreciate the ability to easily change font sizes now because maybe the eyesight was, was great when I was younger. And now things are like, oh, okay. It's looking a little small and I got to do this <laughs> thing now. And uh, I'm really starting to appreciate bigger font sizes, uh, whether it's, you know, on the web on screen and I could just easily click control plus or, or, uh, you know, having a a reading app on the phone and easily changing the font size. So, so making things readable, uh, more accessible for everyone. Yeah. So tell, let's talk about, you know, so we talked about the U S army a little bit and your current company, what, what did you do at Ford? Oh, that was,
0: so I was, I was interning through high school and I started out there doing data entry. I think I was like 15 years old and oh wow, I, yeah. And then I, I, I got into the engine illustration department. And I was drawing, like I was drawing manuals for the factory workers, like putting together the engines and it just all, it all just, you know, like, you know, that's where I, now I love Illustrator, like Adobe Illustrator. I love drawing and illustrating and and like I said, that's, that's something I've been doing my entire life, drawing. And when I was doing il- engine illustration, I was like, this, this is crazy that I'm like, I'm actually drawing these things. I'm in high school, you know, and I'm drawing these things that are going to be going to, you know, the, the people putting the parts together. So I I did that for, like, I think one summer. And then I, I started, it was like the launch of the in- internet intranet. I started designing their intranet. So, you know, it wasn't anything fancy, but I was. Uh, that's where I learned how to code HTML and CSS.
1: Yeah, the, even just the term intranet just seems so dated because now people yeah, yeah. use the words like employee portal or employee yeah, exactly. experience or something yeah. versus intranet. Yeah, intranet, internet to differentiate it's so funny even just your title right product design versus you know user experience designer you know kind of like the the terms have started to morph and change yeah what, what do you think about that
0: i mean I, i've always been in support of like you know I'm, I'm a i'm a designer of products i'm not necessarily like a user interface designer i do way more than yes than yeah. just design an interface or you know you know just like there's the UX designers that I feel like do way more than just the UX design of it and um, so I, I, I'm definitely I love that I love the the titles okay. you
1: know love to double click into maybe like the the motivational speaking what what got you into that and what do you tell folks?
0: Yeah, that's also started in high school I got I got asked this to a bunch of journalist journalism students when I was 16 years old uh, at the news studio here Fox News Studio. And I went there and I was like, I had no idea how many people were there and like and bring me out on the stage. And there's 1500 journalism students. This is the first time I've ever spoken publicly. And I, you know, I was a little, I was a little nervous and I, it just, it kind of just clicked that, I, you know, this was something, you know, I always felt that God put me on earth to teach people and to help people. And, you know, it just, it was just something that I, I mean, I mean, how hard is it to talk about yourself, right? I mean, that's the easiest thing, <laughs> easiest thing to do. So I got through my butterflies and and I did it. And and I've been speaking ever since. I have a passion for um, mentoring kids that are born like me. So the past couple of years I've been, I'm a part of a Facebook group with this. They call it the Parents of Children with Limb Differences. And there's kids all around the United States, some some outside of the country. And I mentor them and teach them. Some things that I've learned, I call it the cheat code. You know, like <laughs> I learn how to brush my teeth. You know, after years and years of doing it a certain ways, or I learn how to feed myself or use the restroom. You know, and so I'm able to teach these kids the way I do things, and you know, maybe they get a jump start on, you know, doing something else and not have to try to figure it out on their own. Because there's no, there's no manual. You know, for being born without arms and legs. You know, if there was, <laughs> I probably should, I'd pr- probably be the author of it. So I just have, you know. You still can be. Uh, yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> as much as I say that, it's funny that I've never uh, thought about doing it. But
1: I love the title. Yeah, um, get.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So it's just it's just always you know helping people and speaking to people and then Rocket Mortgage they have an event pretty much almost once a month and they'll bring in like new team members or you know leaders from around the city of Detroit and I'll speak to them about ignoring the noise. Well, we at Rocket Mortgage we have. Thing called isms and these are things that we live by and one of the isms is ignoring the noise you know um and i talk about and I, ignoring the noise from other people and but the biggest noise that most people hear and you know starts to stop them is the noise they hear from themselves like self-doubt and you know thinking no i can't do this and no i can't pursue that if i were to listen to that noise you know from the time i was growing up to now i wouldn't be here right now speaking to you i probably wouldn't have a wife and kids and I don't know where I would be. When I was eight years old, my uh, grandfather, I came home from school crying. Somebody told me I wouldn't be able to do something. And my grandfather told me, he said, Ryan, you're going to have people doubt you every single day of your life. But there's only one person in this world that you need to believe in you. And that's yourself. And I'm telling you, man, from from that day forward, my, my life changed completely.
1: That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah, the, I think all of us in one way or another struggle with self-doubt and it's good to hear, you know, this is why motivational speakers exist. It's, it's good to hear this message and, and gonna reinforce that, that, you know, you just have to start with one and an audience or a believer of one. And if you can convince that person, yeah, <laughs> you can, you can try even if you've already given up yourself, then, then it's, it's hard to overcome.
0: Yeah. I mean, someone asked me the other day, they're like, Ryan, I, I'm not going to get into specifics, but they're like, Ryan, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do it. And I said, well, here's where here's where you're right. Because whether you think you can or you can't, you're absolutely right. And you have to, it's not about believing you can do something or thinking you can do something. You have to know you can do something. You have to visualize yourself doing it. And, and, and believe in yourself. I mean, that's 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 the most important
1: part. How did you get, like, the opportunities that presented yourself when you were kind of hustling with your own uh, design agency, you know, as, as someone who's got their own design agency, you know, you've, I look at your history and you've, you've worked with over 250 companies uh, through your design agency there's people who ask, you know, part of why they want to talk to me or listen to this podcast or, or want some, some coaching time with me because is they want to start their own agency or something or start their business or they're thinking about it. And of course, I offer my perspective. I'd love to maybe hear your perspective as, you know, others who are maybe listening to this podcast and are thinking they're on the fence. Should they go in-house? You know, I just had a call last week and I'm like, they're thinking, oh, do I go in-house or do I start my own agency? What are the you know, what are the drawbacks, pros, cons, and things I need to think about. So I kind of gave them kind of my perspective, but I'd love to hear yours.
0: I mean, honestly, it's a, it does, you said hustle and, and it does take that mentality. You have to be, you have to be, I know tons of people that have started their own agency and they didn't really know how to sell. And so you have to be able to sell, you have to be able to sell yourself and And if you're not extremely confident in your in your work, obviously it's it's not going to work. But you know, having my own agency was a a lot of fun, and you know, I made a lot of money. And and, you know, I can see that from your
1: shoe collection.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was able to do you know you know work when I wanted to, but also there was the times where you know a client called and they needed something right now, and it's not like you could say no. It's after it's after five p.m. I'm not available right now. You you couldn't do that. So it's uh, it definitely takes the hustler mentality and you have to be able to you know sell yourself and sell your services and you have to definitely believe in you know what you're offering
1: yeah that that was one of the things that i i tell people all the time is that really the the selling piece gets overlooked and i would say you know when i was so i have a background in engineering and then at some point i switched to design it wasn't until when i started having my own agency and learning those sales skills and and talking to clients and having that shift in perspective of, you know, showing my work versus like talking about the value versus just showing the work and letting, you know, thinking the work will do the work for me of showing the Mm -hmm. value, right. And learning how to speak the the language of business versus the language of design, because people don't care about pixels and fonts and typography as much as they care about what the design will get them right what that product right. will get them and and how we will assure them that we can execute on that
0: yeah that's a good point and also when you work in-house you have you hopefully you're working with other designers and you have you know talented creative people when you're working with on freelance projects i'm sure this has happened to you like you could do the most amazing design ever and the client's not a very creative artistic person. And they look at it and they're like, no, I think that should be pink or they, 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 (laughs) you know, you should use this logo instead. And you're like, Oh, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) uh, You know, just like customer's always right. And you know, that's, that's something again, that, that does, you have to be able to deal with.
1: Yeah. And how, yeah. And how to handle it. And even if you have conviction, right. You have to, you know ultimately, they're still the customer, but I think you you also don't want to help them drive themselves off a cliff, right? Like if oh, something yeah. really shouldn't be pink or you shouldn't have that drop shadow <laughs> or or blinking yeah. text, what back when <laughs> the web could do blinking text and everybody was injecting blinking text everywhere just because you could do it doesn't mean you should so, I think that the selling piece, the hustle. You know, I think you mentioned something earlier in the conversation that you you were tired of selling, and and that was why you moved in house. Was Was there any other reason? No, that was really sales it. calls.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd be home, and my son wanted to play in the backyard, and I had to be on a call, and it was seven o'clock at night, and you know, and, that, and that's it does take up more of your life. It's 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 not the nine to five. It's the you're on call whenever your client needs you, and you know. Well, hopefully you're charging a great amount of money. So they have to get the value and and, and your time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, you're very similar to me in, in that respect of, you know, when, when we own our own business, like it, it almost has no boundaries where, you know, a client yep. can call. I've talked to some people and they've done a really great job of setting those boundaries and making it clear. So like, I think it is possible, but I think maybe just our personality types just don't, we feel bad or we feel like that's not treating the client right in a way but but some people have successfully navigated their own business where oh five o'clock you know don't expect to me to take your phone call or whatever and and they somehow managed to do it but you know i I always end up feeling crappy about that (laughs) right yeah yeah
0: yeah you know and i did set some boundaries but like you know there's other times where you can't. It's just like, yeah. you know, you knew the due date and you know you're gonna have to work late on certain days and
1: sure. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those are the pros and cons of, of owning. And so how much of the time did you actually spend designing versus, you know, doing other things like proposals and sales calls and stuff
0: like that. That's the thing. Everybody to this day, people were like, you're, you're, you can't believe you have no hands. You're so quick. They're like, you know? <laughs> and, and then I said, yeah, that's because my freelance days, like you, you just wanted to, you wanted to, you wanted to do it good, but you also wanted to get it done as not as quick as possible, but you know, as quick as possible and, and still within the guidelines of doing great work yeah, and super fast at pumping stuff out. So I, you know, I was, I was definitely, definitely doing, definitely doing more design than I was proposals and and all that. But someone said the other day, they're like, do you think you'd be faster if you had no hands? And, um, you know, at first I was like, man, do I take that as an insult? Then I was like, no, no, because, you know, honestly I feel like hands would get in the way because I've learned how to do it so well this way and so fast this way that I feel like if, I feel like I would be fumbling around. yeah, I, I don't think it would speed me up. You know, I always say, no, hands would just get in the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would take some time to adjust like anything new, right? So you have a a brand as well called Look Mom, No Hands. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Look
0: Mom, No Hands is something. So when when I was a kid, my mom took me to like a carnival and I'd go on a ride and I would yell, Look Mom, No Hands. And all the other moms and parents are like, they don't know whether to laugh or look away or, and then, you know, they'll see my mom laugh and me laugh. So it's something that every kid has said in their lifetime. I'm sure you've said it. And so I created this brand because I'm literally living, you know, without hands. So, you know, look, mom, no hands. I'm so proud of, you know, all, all the things that I've I've done in my life. And, and you know, my mom's certainly proud of me. And so it's like, it's a nod to her. And um, so under the umbrella of social media, I have an Instagram called look, mom, no hands and a YouTube channel, look, mom, no hands. And I, you know, I just post things that I'm doing funny things or, you know, th- I've things I figured out or my hat collection, my shoe collections, just things I'm,
1: you know, living life without hands. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. I know some developers, they, like there's some really quirky channels, like one that stands out, a couple that stands out one, like there's this Korean guy who like he doesn't talk and he just studies for, you know, he's a student and he studies for hours and people kind of yeah. tune into that while they're doing their homework and studying just to be kind of like, be as motivated it's like oh man this guy's a machine he's he doesn't talk at all he's (laughs) studying and he's just doing his homework and stuff and and it feels like you know when you're home alone and you could be easily distracted that you know you need someone else like as if like a you know sort of like a library mentality of like if you're all kind of there being quiet doing that people can can also do that because there's someone around doing that and kind of pushing you that way i feel like maybe there's there's something there you know there's another one that kind of same thing I think maybe even just within your day right like if you if you it'd be interesting to like how do you go about your day with you no know, hands yeah.
0: yeah 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 I always you know I thought about it a few times because but some of the projects I'm working on at work I can't like obviously show yeah. on camera yeah. but like yeah. I thought it'd be cool to like have a like a camera mounted on my chair that's
1: like, over yeah, on side, like yeah on this side yeah on this side yeah yeah and it's like oh wow he you know like yeah, doing all this stuff. Very cool. So the so it's, Did you also say? Did you have a TikTok as well?
0: Yeah, I have a TikTok. You know, I kind of post more funny things, like flipping my hats on, doing goofy things <laughs> that I do. But yeah, that my TikTok is actually look world no hands.
1: Got it. So so look mom no hands, and then look world no hands on TikTok. Thank thank you. Yep. And where where on social also can can we find you or like like you know Dribble? I know you're on Dribble. I don't know if you're still updating that or, or other sites now.
0: Yeah. I haven't really up- updated my dribble in a long time. A lot of, a lot of, you know, one of the main reasons is the project I'm working on. I, I can't really post on there, but yeah, dribble. I'm on dribble. I'm on Twitter. My Twitter's, I'm still trying to get look mom, no hands on Twitter. Someone else has that there. <laughs> they don't even, they haven't used it in years. I actually, I saw, so Jack Dorsey came to Detroit when he was still running Twitter and I, I brought it up to him and he's like, yeah, reach out to me. And I never heard back, but uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I have a similar story. The the Instagram name Peck wasn't used for a long time. It was dead. So I, I through mutual friends, I had the found knew, knew the founders of Instagram. And fortunately on, on my end, I was able to procure it. <laughs> so, so that's why yeah, nice. I have a, a, the nice domain name, but yeah, yeah it's, it's helpful. So Brian, I, I haven't spoken to you in many years. And at some point, you, you know, you you look a lot better. Thank you. You know, I just want to tell let you know, and you know, you look like yeah, you lost you. some weight. Yeah. So you look, you look great. So t- tell me about, tell me about that. What, what, what have you been working on there? Cause fitness is also a passion of mine.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, like three or four years ago, I looked in the mirror and I, I wasn't happy. I was, I was, I was overweight and you can look on my social media. There's some before and afters. And so I went to a bunch of nutritionists and physical therapists. I talked to all these different people and nutritionists were saying this is what I needed to eat, and dietitians were saying this is what I need to eat and my calorie number should be this, my daily calorie number should be this. And and honestly, I just figured out that I needed to figure this out on my own because I'm not like everyone else. I, you know, I'm three foot six and you know I don't need to eat the same amount of calories that everybody else does. So I I ate every day until I figured it out. And and then I was this is a low number. It's like twelve hundred and fifty calories. You know, 1100 to 1250 calories, and I was like, "There's no way I'm gonna be able to do this in a complete day because it's I'll be hungry." So I I found intermittent fasting, and through fasting, I was able to you know start eating you know in the afternoon and finish eating around you know eight o'clock, and so those amount of calories were like a perfect fit. And I started training with a trainer, and then when COVID hit, I started training at home every single day, and man, I lost 30 pounds. Um, and 30 pounds on me is like you losing a hundred. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. I, you know, I'm three foot six. So you're I don't know how tall you are, but it's a <laughs> lot of, you know, it's a lot of weight to lose. And yeah, I'm super, super proud of the weight I've lost. And, you know, I'm continuing to work out, you know, five, six days a week, um, sometimes seven days a week. And then wow. I feel up to it, but yeah.
1: what What do the workouts look like?
0: So I use uh, bands, you know, bands, Yeah. pretty heavy bands, 150 pounds. I do bands one day and then the other day I do cardio and cardio is just literally me like scooting on my butt across the floor, jumping on a trampoline for, you know, up to an hour wow. and yeah, it's, I'm just completely filled with sweat at the end of the day or at the end of the workout, and I, but I feel good. I feel a lot better than I've ever felt.
1: Yeah, I, I've always found that exercise for me is something that helps me, especially if I have a hard day, clear my mind. And
0: yeah.
1: Likewise, so if I nowadays I'm kind of back to you know in I think when we met we I was probably doing some wushu, but you know back then I was doing six seven days a week, and then you know I think at some point when I started my company and and work like like you was busy all the time, you know. I was happy with three, four times a week and then kind of like, I think my body showed it, but now I think I've realized that it really helps my mental state to, to clear my mind after a long day through, through a workout that really helps. So I, I try to prioritize that and make sure like, like, like eating, right? Like you wouldn't think of not eating in a day and it's so like, okay, well, you know, if I, if again get, you know, yeah, like, like, like hygiene. So brushing your teeth going to to the toilet like yeah work, work out uh, at least 6 days a week or 5 6 days a week then then my, my my mental health is good
0: yeah i think i think warren buffett said it best he said you know if you were going to only have one car for the rest of your life you would do everything you could to take care of it well we have only <laughs> one body for the rest of our life and you know when when i heard that i was like gosh oh, that's really crazy because like it's something you never you don't really you don't think about that and then once you actually think about it, you're like, "Wow, I better start taking care of this this one body that I'm only going to have."
1: Yeah. Well, what's even crazier is coming from the guy who eats like, you know, McDonald's and Coke every day.
0: Yeah, you're right. He does. He, does. <laughs> he, he can't go to work without without his uh, McMuffin. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So
1: that that's that's hilarious that he said that, and, and that's gonna kind of what he does. But uh, you know that. Thank you for sharing that. That's another made both inspiring, but also like again, it shows. The discipline that you have for yourself, and and again, and also like an, another motivating message for for other people who are listening that you know can be so inspiring. Like when you know it's like, hey, if if I'm saying as a busy CEO, I can try to carve out time, and, and because it's important for my mental health to do this, you know, if Ryan can can take out the time and do this despite his, you know his limitations, disabilities like you know if it's important you, you try to make the time and, and carve it out yeah. for it yeah and, and it appreciate shows it. like i said you, you look yeah, great thanks, yeah i appreciate it uh, well thank you for coming on to the show it's been very inspiring to talk to you and uh, it's good to, to chat with you out after all these years yeah great seeing you yeah. thank you for joining us on this episode of what is ux if you like this episode be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform If you leave us a review, I'll make sure to shout it out on the show. If you have any questions, send them to questions at whatisux.co and our guest and I will try to answer them on the show. And you can always find us on whatisux.co. See you on the next one.